This is a Soulfire production. What is up, everybody? Happy New Year! It is 2021, and I can't think of a better guest um, to have on to kick off the new year than my dear friend, Thomas Williams. And I was just talking with him, and I was going through his website because when you become friends with someone, it's like they're your homie, and you don't like actually look at their bio and their resume and their stuff and their stats. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm your friend. <laughs> like, you're the real deal. I knew you were an amazing college athlete. I knew you were an amazing NFL player. And I knew you exuded greatness in everything you did. I knew you were an author and an entrepreneur. And I knew all the lives that you impacted. But to actually look at your website and see who you are on paper, I'm like, how do I get to be friends with someone like this? Like, you're, you're so special. And I just really want to acknowledge you. This past year, you became a dad which is one of the greatest blessings um, that anyone I believe can receive. So congratulations on, on up-leveling in that way. And I'm just excited to have an awesome conversation with you. There's so many motivated people on this line and you are a master motivator. Um, you're somebody that's been an athlete. Um, you've made choices at a young age to be great. Um, and that Jersey has been transferable throughout your whole life, no matter what you did beyond sports. And now giving that gift back to young kids, giving that gift back to people in the military, whoever you speak to your friends that you're around, you know, your kids, your, your friends, your family, you exude greatness. And I think that's where I really want to take this conversation, no matter what 2021 looks like for every single one of us, we get to wear and utilize and exemplify greatness as a lifestyle. And this man does it. So let's chat, Thomas. Yeah, what's up, Els? Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Um, happy New Year, literally. Um, you know, we we hit the uh, recycle or, or the trash button on uh, on last year and we're, we're cycling into a new year. Do you want to share a little bit about your journey? I have your book, Permission to Dream, in front of me. And I read this five years ago. And I'm like, this is such a great book because... This is your story to becoming a collegiate athlete, your story to um, kind of building your inner tools, your inner skill set that you've carried on with you the rest of your life. So I don't know if you want to kind of share yeah. how you became on the inside, the choices you made to, to be who you are today and, and how that's really um, groomed you into what you do today. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really funny, the, the book and how I, I think we're in a space now where a lot of people are starting to become speakers or wanting to write a book or blog and wanting to express themselves, their principles or their stories. And so for me, I, I got done playing football in 2012 and I wanted to, I wanted to share not my story. I wanted to share the journey of being drafted. It's something that I always wanted when I was seven years old, my mom and I went to a baseball game. I'm from Northern California. So we went to an Oakland A's baseball game and it was a night game. And I just remember sitting in our stands in right field and looking out onto the field and thinking, wow, there's tens of thousands of people who have completely stopped their life. And they're watching nine, nine, nine fielders and a batter. Like there's, there's 10 people on the field and people are stopping their lives to do this. And when we left the game, um, it was dark. And I just remember walking to the car with my mom. And I think she was trying to have a conversation with me because she was a little nervous and hesitant as well, just because it's a big parking lot and it was dark. 
And she said, how did you like the game? And I said, mom, that's what I want to do. Like with my life, I want to play professional sports. Like I want to go somewhere where people stop doing what they're doing. By the way, I'm an only child. So I'm an attention junkie. Uh, so I want people to stop doing what they're doing so that all, all eyes can be on me. And I think for a moment she was like, okay, that's great. But like, did you have fun? Did you like the cotton candy? How were the Cracker Jacks? Like, do you remember the take me out to the ball game? Something like that. But I think I found it at that moment. And so that was at seven at 23. I won't bore people with the story because you can read the book, but at 23, I get drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I played in the NFL for five years. And, um, unfortunately my last year playing, uh, was because of a neck injury. And so I stopped playing football and it's like, you chase something your whole entire life. You put your identity into it. You put your time, you invest every single resource, money, you know, your body, you know, everything, relationships, everything into it. And then what do you have? And so I felt like I had an empty bucket. Like, wait, the, the ROI on this sucks. Like, yeah, I, I made a couple of dollars and I played on TV, but other than that, what do I truly have? Because I'm 27 and, you know, hopefully I can live for another 60 plus years. And so I was like, that's it. Like, I want to tell people that they can too. Like, it was so much fun pursuing it and trying to get there to the NFL. Like, I want to tell people not only my story, but I want to teach them some tangible tools. And so that was in 2012. Fast forward to 2014. And as you know, in Santa Monica, you're working out the stairs and people talk to you. And this guy comes up to me who I've seen at the stairs for years. He's like, hey, who are you playing for? I said, I'm, I'm done playing. He says, oh, well, what are you going to do next? And I was like, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. And this was before motivational speakers were kind of like the thing, right? It was cut before it was cool. I was like, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. He's like, that's awesome, man. What's the name of your book? And I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of my what? No, 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 bro. I don't know if you understand this. Like I didn't even write my papers in college, like, <laughs> let alone am I going to write a whole book? Like I could barely read. What do you mean? And so it was like literally in the same week, back to back, three people asked me, what's the book? What's the book? And like on the fourth time I was at a, a, an event and I met like a, an editor and he said, Hey man, like I'll help you write your book. And so that was a, the start of the process of me writing permission to dream. And so that's the backstory of it, but what's in it, you know, what's in the pot of, of that I'm mixing together in the book is just the story of a kid, you know, at the very back of the book, I said, you know, my life altering moment happened in sixth grade when my sixth grade teacher told my mom at a parent teacher conference that by the time I was 16 years old, that I was going to be the leader of a gang and that I was going to eventually die. And so I basically at that time had four years to live. Like if I only have four years to live, what are you going to do with it? And so right then and there, I just made up my mind that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make my mom and the other people who believe in me, I'm going to make them right about me. And I'm going to make the people who doubt and hate on me, I'm going to make them wrong. And so I uh, talked to that journey of, you know, you can too, but also here's how you can. And, you know, as, as speakers, we go in and we talk for a little bit and you feel great. It's kind of like going to church, right? And so you feel great on that day or those 45 minutes or that hour, but then tomorrow's going to come and next week's going to come and next month's going to come. And what can I give to the world and to the people who I'm, I'm called to serve? And that's why I wrote the book. And so that was the first one. And the next one was for the college student athletes. But I think we're also, put, we all have books inside of us, uh, just based off of the experiences and lives that we've lived. And so the investment there is for the one person, the one person who reads your book and says, I'm inspired by your story. Wow, I can too. Wow, you feel me. You're hear me. You're there for me. And so writing the book, even though it was one of the most, 
gruesome experiences of my life and hardest because I had to go back and unpeel some layers and some things that were, uh, were scars, emotional scars from childhood. Um, but it was so worth it. The amount of people who have reached out to me and said, Hey, like, thank you for writing this book. It just makes all those years of pain and, and turmoil, uh, uh, worth it. If you could kind of share with us your principles to greatness, your principles yeah. to, I don't know if you want to throw in some energy bus principles yeah. in there too, but really how to, um, cultivate greatness within yourself because you're someone you'll call me. Like we, we touch base like once a month, you know, and it's like, Hey, let's rip, let's talk, let's talk workshop ideas. How are you doing? What are you doing to stay great? And you're always on it. You're, I've never experienced you even in times of, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do <laughs> as not on it? There's always been a choice to, I'm going to get, I'm going to be better. I, I just have to get better. And you're somebody that shows up every single day physically with your workouts, in your relationships, in your work. You know, it's not easy being an entrepreneur and, you know, you have to create your own schedule. You have to be self-motivated, you know, and you're somebody that, that does all those things and you make it look easy. It has become a lifestyle for you. So how do you make greatness a lifestyle? Super simple. I think it's, it's, I learned, I learned very easily, find out what other people aren't willing to do and master those things. And I learned it in ninth grade and we were playing a football game and real quick, we lost the game. And at the end of the game, we lost because of so many stupid penalties. And the coach said, you should have won that game. We were going to go undefeated by the way. And so we should have won the game. And the coach said, I'm going to teach you tonight how to finish. Every single one of you guys go home and do a hundred pushups. Now we're in ninth grade and your muscles aren't developed. Like you don't, a hundred pushups sounds like a million. You might as well have said, do a million pushups after a game, after homework, after dinner, before shower, whatever it was. And I remember like getting down on the floor that night. My mom's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to, I got to do these pushups. And she's like, why? You just played in a game. Like give your body a rest. I said, coach said, he's going to teach us how to finish. And you know, one of the greatest things that mentors do is that they they teach by example and that they walk walk you through life things. And so I did the hundred push-ups and I woke up the next morning, went to school, and you know, before school, you're standing in the hallways with your boys and you're cracking jokes. And something just told me on the inside, like, ask everybody about the push-ups. And so I asked them, it, they might not listen to it, but screw it. It was Zach, Robbie, Mike, uh, and it was like, it was like Joe. And so those were my, those were my boys in high school. And so like, we went around and one was like, I did 50. Other one was like, I did 25. The other one was like, coach isn't going to know. I didn't do any. And at that moment I was like, Oh, I did all of mine. Wow. I did all of mine. So it was like, okay, find out what other people aren't willing to do now get comfortable doing those things. And so for me, the same thing is just carried on all the way through now. What do entrepreneurs, especially speakers, like I, I talk to a lot of speakers and it's like, man, I don't want to do this. So I literally listen for things that they don't want to do. They don't want to send emails. They don't want to do cold calls. A lot of people don't want to get on a plane and travel. A lot of people don't want to do, you know, presentations. They don't want to have two or three conversations before um, a, a speaking engagement. And so I just get really comfortable in those things. And it's like, I almost take a mental note of what don't people want to do? Oh, they don't want to work out. Okay. So let me work out. Because in the workouts, what I'm getting is I'm not just, I'm not just getting a, a, a in shape or a better body. I'm also developing my mind. Shoot, I can, I can develop some principles. While I'm, while I'm in the third, fourth, fifth set today, I'm talking through some, some principles that I'm going to be able to teach somebody. Somebody's going somebody's gonna to be able to benefit from me, you know, my sweat and my pain right now. So all of those things like that, I just want to be able to share with people how is it that they can 
and continue to push forward. And how can I ever tell people how they can push forward if I don't? Like I was at boxing this morning and it sucks. My trainer, I took two weeks off. I took two weeks off eating, sleeping in, like watching TV. And like within the first 15 minutes, I was spent, but it was like, okay, now this is where you're going to teach, lead and serve from. Not from the 15 minutes before where you're feeling good, but so you're going to do that. The same thing goes with conversations with people. Like, I mean, how many of us really want to listen to people complain, listen to people going through it? I don't. I'm, I'm an only child again. Like I, I'm an introvert, but I'm called and my purpose is to lead and help people. So I need to know what people are going through. Like the phone call where you look, you're like, oh my gosh, not this person again. But I'm learning that most of us have a lot of similar experiences. Everybody wants something. Everybody's afraid of something. So if you can help people get to something, then you've helped a lot of other people. If you help people overcome certain things through their fears, then you've helped a lot of other people. I mean, that's what motivation really comes down to is that what do you want? What are you afraid of? Okay. What are you running towards? And what are you running from? And so when you can, when you can understand that as a leader, as a consultant, as a, as a healer teacher, then you can understand that now these are the nitty gritty questions that I need to ask. And these, this is the work. One of the hardest things that I had to do when I stopped playing football Like people were like, well, you were so good at football. And it's like, no, I had so much pain from childhood. Like my father wasn't Mm -hmm. in my life. So Mm -hmm. I ran away from the pain of my father not being in my life. So what did I run to? I ran to a football field. Why? Because I had coaches who were males most of the time. And they were like father figures. And so I was yearning for that discipline, for that affirmation, for that great job, son. Like Every coach says, great job, son, to the, to the younger boys, right? And it doesn't have your son. It's just like, wow, he makes me feel like I'm a son. So mm-hmm. I had other players on the team. They were my brothers. So everything that life, I feel like, is supposed to teach me came through football. And so I ran from the pain of my dad, and I ran towards the thing that gave me the same thing a family did. So the same thing in all of us. You know, there's so many people who have have that, but it takes a lot of the work that you and I constantly talk about is, hey, you got to do the work of, you know, what is it that you want? What is it that you really want to accomplish? Okay, well, what does that mean for you? And I think another thing that people don't understand in sports football at the NFL level taught me this is that everybody has a different motivation. Some people don't want to be at home with their families. And this is going to sound really bad. And that's their motivation to stay at, to to show up at the 6 a.m. workouts, to watch film until noon, to go do extra sprints on the football field, to stay after and do stuff. It's like, because they don't want to go home. And that's okay. Some people love the money. Love the money. That's okay. Some people were never told they were going to be at anything. Some people can't do anything else in life, not to that degree. And so understanding yourself and your motivation is one of those things that we have to get comfortable with. It's the same thing in business. I mean, I, I literally, when you said all those things, I'm like, yep, that's been me. That's been my team member. That's it. You need a motivator to, to go. And that's allowed to change and it's going to evolve and change because while you did run from the pain of not having your father in your life, you've since mended that and you and your father are super tight. Right. And you've gone to leadership events together. And now inside, like you're using that love to drive you and it's a, it's a new kind of fuel, right? Like you're driven from love now more than fear. Yeah. 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 There's an acceptance, right? Like it's the part of, you know, the portions are like the the five parts of seven parts of grieving and stuff like that. There's an acceptance part and you have to accept like, Hey, you have to accept now I'm a dad. So like, I can't spend any, I can't spend any emotions or any energy on what I didn't get from my father because that does not serve my daughter. 
Mm-hmm. Like it literally does it. Right. And then there's some things that I'm experiencing as a dad that I go, oh, wow, this makes sense. This makes sense. Like my dad, I can't get mad at my dad for things that he didn't know. Mm-hmm. I can be upset, but I can't be upset at him. It's like people who've never learned to tie their shoes. Like you don't get mad at them. They've never learned. Right. And so I'm using that just because I know it's such, such a small degree of it, but just understanding too, of I have to accept and I accept my father. I accept my father for everything that he was and wasn't. And now we have conversations, dad, my daughter's doing this. And I feel this way as a man, he goes, yep. And I go, oh, wow, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for throwing all of, all of my, everything you into the specific box based off of some things that were and were not in your control. Mm. So you're just able to kind of pull the layers back. Um, and it's so healing. Like totally. you, you, I mean, you, you've taken so many classes and taught so many classes on healing. And one of the things that you always talk about is light and making space, like in order to, and you think about it in order to have hate and keep hate, like you have to keep your box this way. You can't small, make space. It's tight. It's really it's, tight. Exactly. That's a great word. It's like small it's and fear. it's tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, you can't make space. Like one of the things you always say, hey, it sounds like you're making space. All of our conversations, Laura says, it sounds like you're making space. You're expanding. <laughs> and so with that, there's a po- positive connotation to it. And so it's something that you always remind me of. And I think about Laura, I'm like, it's right. Make space for it. Make light. Expand. Oh, okay. So now you have to grow it. Now you have to allow other things to. Um, yeah, because I'm themselves. sure there was a choice point for you to, when you became a father, it's scary. It's scary for a lot of people to become dads. It's like. I'm going to get small and I'm going to run from this, which a lot of people do, or I'm going to create space. I'm going to get bigger and I'm going to get better. And I'm going to expand my capacity to be a great entrepreneur, a great leader, a great father figure, um, a great partner. Uh, I'm going to get better. And, and that's a big choice. It's a hard choice, but that's the same thing in business. It's the same thing. It's going from a linear conversation to a yes and conversation, a singular conversation to I can do it all. I just have to get better. And that's just, it's a, it's a choice. And then there's the action. It's just something that I feel like you've always had. And I don't know how to necessarily teach that or how you can share that choice, but it's. Yeah. There's a, so it's, it's interesting. I, so I ran, I ran from, I ran from a bully every single day in seventh grade. Really? Every, every single day. I'm surprised you didn't beat him up. No, this was one of those bullies (laughs) who won. Like he was like one of those guys who like, he was in elementary school fighting high schoolers and he had a big family. Like it was just something that like I played football and baseball. I can do that really well. He just fights really well. And so he, I ran every single day. As soon as that bell rang, like in friends or gathering and, and kicking it at the, you know, in front of the school, I darted home every single day. And I remember like, I didn't eat breakfast. I lost weight. I was very like, I was depressed. I was scared. And I just remember that feeling of what it felt like. And there was, there was something that my mom told me of like, Hey, he's either going to fight you or he's not. And like, but you can make up this thing in your mind of what you think is going to happen. And that's going to rule you for the rest of your life. That's good. And years later, I heard this story of run towards the roar. And I've been able to teach this, especially in my whole perspective work that I'm doing um, with a whole bunch of individuals and companies is that, so there's an old African proverb of run towards the roar where they get the loudest, oldest lion 
and they're getting ready to hunt. And so they put them on one side of the gazelles and this lion roars so loud that like the gazelles while they're eating and while their heads are down and why they don't think anything is happening, their first natural reaction is to run a completely opposite direction of the roar. Now, the lions are smart. That's why they're the king of the jungles. So what they do is that they put their fastest, most athletic lions, lioness actually, on the opposite side of the loud roaring lion. And so when the gazelles take off and run in the opposite direction, they run towards the fastest, more agile, most athletic lions, and that's how they lose their life. But if they would have just ran towards the roar, towards the old, slow, lazy lion, they would still be alive. And that's the same thing with what we're supposed to do in life, is that we're supposed to run towards the roar, not run away from it. Reading this book right now by Ryan Holiday is Obstacles the Way. So everything that we're supposed to be going through is supposed to come on the other side of the obstacle, because you can look at things two ways. You can look at it as an obstacle, or you can look at it as an opportunity. And if you look at it as an obstacle, that's a period. If you look at it as an opportunity, it's a comma. And when you, anytime you can do the comma versus period, then you know that the sentence keeps going. Um, for example, I'm teaching, we're teaching our daughter how to walk. And so, um, or no, I shouldn't say how to walk, how to crawl. <laughs> See, my mind is already wanting her like, come on, let's walk. Let's do this. Right. I showed you how to do it. Let's do it. And so it, it's, it's one of those things where I have to be like, the obstacle is getting her to crawl. And so through that, I'm going to learn so many life lessons and valuable lessons that I wouldn't learn if I was just like, man, forget it. Your mom can do it. Like if I just threw my hands up, whether it's business, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to write this proposal. I don't want to cold call, you know, five people a day for the next month. I don't want to do these things because it's uncomfortable. It's an obstacle. This is the end of it. No, no, no. This is just the beginning. And that's the only thing that separates all of the, and I'll use air quotes here, the greats. That's like the greats, the ones that we look up to. I want to be like him or I want to be like her. It's like they just kept going. And so I learned that at the very young age of like, if I run from this bully for the rest of my whole entire like fresh or seventh grade year, I'm going to run from everything from the rest of my life because that is also a trained, learned, a learned behavior. That's habitual. Like I'm just going to run. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to turn my back when it gets hard. It's like, no, it's going to suck. You're going to lose some nights of sleep. You're going to sit there and probably be extremely stressed out and like, you know, lay down for eight hours, but only get three hours of sleep. There's going to be some nights where you're going to have to stay up way past the time that you want to and not going to be able to go to the party or not going to be able to talk to the family or go see. Like, there's going to be so many things that you're going to have to sacrifice, but you're going to pay one of two ways. You're going to play on the front side with sacrifice or you're going to pay on the back side with regret. You, you, everybody has to pay. Everybody has to pay. And so I would rather pay early on than later on. There's so much gold in, in everything that you just said. I'm just picturing you as a linebacker. I'm like, this is why I was a badass linebacker. I'm like, because he just went for it. I mean, you have to yeah. be a savage to be a linebacker. You got to like, be a little crazy, a little go. delusional, and, and you know, a whole bunch of other words that I don't usually like to associate with being an athlete. But uh, you got to, here's what it is. You know, it's a relentless pursuit. Every single thing. We're just relentlessly pursuing it. Yeah, but it is, you're so right. And it's, and it's when we have these, false stories or these projected ideas of what could happen rather than just facing it head on and accepting whatever happens as it happens. It's so much harder to keep it in our heads than it is to tackle it head on and just handle it. And the biggest CEOs in the world, all they're doing is putting out fires every single day. Like truly at the end of the day, 
the bigger the check, the bigger the problems. So we got to get good at handling problems, handling uncomfortable situations head on all day. How fast can we get it off the, you know, get it off the sheet of paper? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it's like the people who, uh, you know, like, like you, you're in health, you're in wellness, you're in fitness. Like you understand, like there's these people with kind of their goals and their actions don't align. And so like my fiance and I talk about it, like million dollar, million dollar budgets with minimum wage work ethic. And it's like, you can't have this, like, I, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to lose 10 pounds, but you don't even worry about focusing on the one pound that you have to lose or 20 pounds or whatever it is. Like, it's those small incremental steps. And my mentor, John Gordon talks about is 1%, 1%, just get 1% better. Cause I'm like, yeah, I want to go from reading a book a month to like, two books a week. It's like, what, what? Just go from, why don't you go from 12 books a year to 13 books in a year? Like, don't go from like 12 to 24. You don't have to sit there and double your input. Like, why don't you compound that? So this year you get 13, next year you get 14. And over the course of 10 years, then you would have gained, you know, that much more information. And, you know, somebody who we've, we've went to the conference of Tony Robbins, like, I love his quote where he says, you know, people overestimate what they can do in a year, underestimate what they can do in 10. And it's like having those mindsets of like, I just need to get a little bit better. I don't have to try to like, you know, Rome was built in a day. Just get a little bit better. Like just do all that you can today and then just get a little bit better tomorrow or next month or whatever your benchmarks and whenever you accrue your interest, so to speak. Um, just doing those things. And how can you do it is you got to make sure you're just doing something. Just do something. Yeah, the compound effect is real. It's real in life. It's real in health. It's real in business. And it, then you get that solid foundation of skills rather than trying to get it in all at once. And then you don't really have self-mastery, right? So how do you set goals for the new year? And, and I know you just said, like, I don't put too much on my plate. I want to get 1% better. But, but how do you set goals? Well, I'm going to take a, I'm going to steal a page out of your book and I'm, I'm very intentional. I'm not as intentional as you. However, I try to be as intentional, intentional as possible. And so <clears throat> With, with us and, and our vision boards, we got engaged in October. And so this year we're planning a wedding. So for sure, that's on the, like, that's, that's a priority this year. That is a priority. Becoming a dad, like being in Bradley's life more and more as I possibly can be, being a present father, like that is up there. Speaking um, and work, it's not about getting as many speaking engagements as possible. Right now it's about, I'm, I'm, my word for the year is perspective. And so my tagline for this year is, it's perspective tagline is seeing what it is, not what it looks like. And so that's gonna be my superpower. When I, when I speak, I'm gonna speak with helping people see what it is, not what it looks like. And so that's my goal, not to get 50 or 70 or 100 speaking engagement. It's the ones that I'm impactful enough that I'm helping people shift their perspective so that they can see what it is and not what it looks like. And another thing is, because I got it right here, is um, we want to buy our first home. So our first home together, we have we have like new keys. I'm just reading you off, off the words. It says like <laughs> new keys, tranquil home. Um, a big thing for us is that we like to host. And so if the world gets back to being able to have gatherings, like we want to have big kitchens, big backyards. And so one of our visions is that we want to do a family movie night every Friday night. So and cool. so we'll start like in the living room because we'll have a smaller family. And then as the family grows and as her family and my family come together, we're going to invest in one of those blow up screens to put in the backyard where you have the bean bags. And so obviously cool. it's going to be in the warmer months. And so 
that's something that's huge for us. And she loves to cook and we love to converse over meals. So that's, um, you know, one of the biggest things. And I want to collaborate. So this year, big collaboration. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm Han Solo a lot of my life. And so this year I want to expand. I want to open. I want to grow. And I want to collaborate with so many more, more people. And so making myself, you know, uh, open to those things. So first and foremost, like know what you want. And then people are like, well, I know what I want. It's like, but do you really? So let's take a step back and take a little bit of the pressure off of people there. Find out what you don't want to do. Um, every, every single, I mean, everybody out there can probably relate to this. We'll be driving and Andrew go, I'm hungry. I'll go, babe, what do you want? I don't know. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's have this fun game, right? So then you ask the question of, well, do you want this? Do you want that? Nope. Nope. Okay. So then you do know, right? Well, matter of fact, you might not know what you want. You definitely know what you don't want. I'm going to try to say this quiet because she's in the other room. So (laughs) I want to put her business on the street. So just understanding what you don't want. Like I don't want to be house broke when we buy our house. Right. So that means we need to stay within our means. Like what is the budget? So it's like, well, I don't know the budget. Well, I know this. I don't want to sit there and put every single dime I have into a house. And then you can't go out to eat or you can't rent a movie or you can't do these things. The same thing with working out. Hey, I don't want to get, even though I want to invest more time in being a dad, I don't want the dad bod. So what do I need to do? I need to make sure that I'm working out three to four times a week minimum. Right. And then you just build from that. The same thing with your finances. I want to save $100,000 this year. Well, you saved $12 last year. I'm not saying you can't do it. Just be smart and say, you know what? I want to save a dollar a week. Oh, okay, great. A dollar a week isn't going to get me to $100,000, but a dollar a week is going to get me to 52 when I only had 12 last year. So just making these small benchmarks for yourself and you got to know what you want. Like more than anything, you got to know, like, where are you aiming? Are you getting in the car and you're just turning it on saying, hey, I'm going to go for a drive, but where are you going? Like you might not even have a hundred percent of a destination, but at least have a direction, man. I want to see the coast today. We went up to Santa Barbara, uh, this last weekend and we, we just wanted to leave. The, the question was, we just, you know, babe, where do you want to go? I don't know. I want to get out the house. I want to get out the house. I want to get out of LA. Cool. So let's just smash up the coast, right? PCH all the way to the one oh one, straight into Santa Barbara, grabbed this, uh, uh, smashed a, a bacon burger with avocado, some fried, actually it was tater tots, took a walk, went to look for Oprah's house in Montecito, can't find it. She lives on 65 acres, which we found out, which is great. Like hidden, like, but you know, we didn't know where we wanted to go, but we had intentions to leave. So the same thing for your goals, just pick something, have an idea. Well, I don't know where to start. Okay. Well then that's where probably going to end up next year. Yeah. No, what I'm hearing you say too, and, and every year's different. You know, I've been talking to a bunch of my friends that I really respect, like yourself, about their goals this year. Cause I'm just, it didn't come through for me until like January 3rd. And I'm still marinating on what I really want this year, like what's really important to me. And I think it's different every year. Like two years ago or whenever you did that run of speaking engagements, that was really important to you. It's clear to me that your relationships and building your family is definitely a priority this year. So it's getting clear on your core values first, maybe deciding what you really don't want and then getting super clear on what you actually want, even if it's just one step forward, like setting smart goals, as some people would call it. I mean, I think that word is kind of played out, but it's true. Like it doesn't have to be crazy. I always tell people that are entrepreneurs, listen, it's better to do something consistently over time than it is to do a lot at once and then do nothing because you start to build trust with yourself. And when you start to build trust with yourself, something greater can show up and you start to have this congruence, you know? And, and I think it's that, 
that trust and integrity with you doing what you say you're going to do more than anything else. Oh, that's, that's the confidence. That's where it's like you walk different. Your swagger is different. Your mm-hmm. shoulders are a little taller. Like, because not it's only because you did exactly what you said you wanted to do. Right. You nailed it. That is, I mean, say that for the people in the back, <laughs> sis. <laughs> well, I, that's why I like what you said about the $52, because then you can really, you can go, man, I did what I said I was going to do versus looking back and going, I wasn't even close. Like, and then that's the third year in a row where you're like, I wasn't like, what am I doing? No. And learn, learn, learn from the mistakes of others, right? Like there's, there's, you know, the wise quote says, you know, learn from the mistakes of others because you can't make all of them yourself. And so when you listen to people who are older, one of my questions I'm asking dads right now who have daughters who are, you know, on the tail end of high school or in their twenties is like, Hey, what should I be doing? And most every single one of them talks about money. So like, I, I like, so it's like, just take $10 a week, and put it aside for your daughter. Take a hundred dollars a month or whatever it is. Or okay, so for your wedding, don't sit there and you know say, next week we got a twenty thousand dollar wedding we're gonna plan. Like, hey, let's put a dollar a day, uh, you know, five dollars a day. Here's a pot. This is what we're gonna put aside, and so that you get to the point of just being very intentional and you have these buckets to draw from. And so you're always planning for the future. Um, I think it was like I was watching something. Kevin Hart was like, "It's never about today. It's always about tomorrow." Like what you do is never about today. The 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 burger that you that you know the the fast food that you eat or the or the you know sleeping in or you know being lazy or being the procrastinating. It's never about today. It's always about tomorrow. And I love what you talked about. It's like getting in the habit and the ritual of completing things. Yeah, and I think that's what's so important too. You always teach your greater than your jersey, and it's really about these transferable skills that you build. Um, in your life that can go with you in whatever you do. And I know there's a lot of people that I work with that are like, I feel like I'm supposed to do more. Like, I feel like I'm meant for more. Like there's, I want to expand, you know, whether it's starting a podcast or writing a book or um, creating workshops or, or traveling more, doing ritual. Like there's just something my soul wants to grow into. And it's not that you have to stop doing what you're doing to take these skills and, and take them with you. And it's a yes. And like you build on what you've done and you do it with something else. And it's having the balls to do something else. I mean, I think you've now mastered, what would you say? Like three different things, you know, you've, you've mastered being an athlete, you've mastered, you know, being a speaker and an author, and now you're mastering being a father and a family man. Yeah. It's, you know, with having transferable skills isn't, is something that I had no I had no clue like that they existed and that they were important and that they were helpful until I went to a baseball game after I got done playing and a guy said, Hey Thomas, what are you going to do now that you're done playing? And I told him I want to be a speaker. And he said, why don't you come down to my office, get yourself a nice looking suit and I'll see if I can get you a job in finance. And I was like, I know how to make money. I know how to spend it. I don't know how to save it. I don't know how money makes money. I don't know how money works. He said, I can teach you everything that you need to know about money, but what I can't teach is the skills that you've learned from playing football. And I was like, wait, you mean to tell me that I'm now still valuable? Because you think when you're done playing that you're washed up goods. You don't really think that you have value anymore and that you can perform at the height and at the elite level anymore. Well, I think this is a really important conversation too, because after football, did you feel a sense of depression and, and like emptiness after pro yeah. So after it was, it was, it, it was emptiness, it was uncertainty and it was now you got to figure it out. Right. So isolation. 
Cool. So it wasn't like an attachment to what you did where you're like, I'm, I'm worthless. Like now that I'm not doing this, who am I? No, 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 no. I always knew that there was something cause I'd always planned for it, but it's like, it was something that I, 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 I didn't know that like I could perform at a, an elite level. I thought I could only could kind of do like normal. Cause everybody was saying, you know, now, all right, now it's time to get real. Now it's back to reality. And it's like, and you look at the people who are saying it and you're like, you're mediocre, you're average. And I'm not, I'm not talking down on them or bad mouth. And then, but like, you can, you can tell in a conversation if somebody is a go-getter, I'm not talking about how much money they have in their account. I'm talking about what they do on a daily, right? Like just who they are. And so I, I started to almost buy that hype until this guy told me like, Hey, your transferable skills can not only make you a lot of money, but they can make me a lot of money. So like, let's, let's come do this. And so I never took him up on it, but I started to research a little bit more about transferable skills of, you know, what do, what does an average employer look for? Right. So it's teamwork, communication, being on time, self-motivated deadlines, like just motivated, like inspired all of these different things. I'm like, Oh, we, we do that like the first week of football. Like that was, I know that that's was, what my dad and, and a lot of leaders, they always say I, I hire ex athletes cause I don't mm-hmm. have to teach them these things, how to show no. up 15 minutes early. They're like, Laura, why are you always the first one at the party? Well, when I was, you know, in eighth grade, I would be running laps if I wasn't 15 minutes early. So still to this day, I'm going to be 15 minutes <laughs> early to your party. Okay. Right. Right. You're certain, there's certain things that you just never forget. And that's one of them. And so like, you know, having all of this. And so the best, the best thing that I do um, in the class that I teach at USC is that we teach all of our athletes that identify your transferable skills. Like, cause everybody's so wrapped up and enamored with what makes me a great athlete. Like I'm, I'm a four, four, 40 yard dash. I can jump 40 inches. I do 25 reps on 225. They can tell me all about their athletic skills, right? I can, I can run an out route and I can, I can do this this way, but it's like, Tell me about you, Laura. Tell me about the It's the difference between the doing and the being. And they're both so important. We just did a workshop, uh, Jessica and Lola Wright, for New Year's, one of my friends. And and she was like, there's the doing and there's the being. If you don't have the being, it's it's cool. You can run a 40-yard dash in whatever. I don't, 50-yard dash in however many seconds. Like, cool. But who who runs that? Who? Yeah. Who runs it? And so when these, when these athletes can understand it, that they'll start to pay attention to the person I am, as well as the athlete, the athlete dies the day you stop playing, but the person will live for the remainder, right? As many times as your heart continues to beat and everything like that, that's the person. So most of us spend more time as people than we do as athletes, but we invest in the athletes so much. And it's like, you know, one of the first questions I ask in the class is how many of you guys want to play professional sports? And everybody raises their hand. I go, great. Okay, what's the percentage, right? If we're just supposed to be honest, what's the percentage of athletes who go from college to pro? Everybody goes, you know, it's 1%. I go, great. Now, 1% go pro, but 100% of athletes retire. Like, they they go, that's so true. So let's focus on the transferable skills, the networking, the internships, you know, identifying purposes and passions outside of sports. Um, and they go, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. And so really getting them to understand, hey, I have value both, like you say, and both here as an athlete and as a person. And then once you can see your value as both, then you start to, you know, live in that and walk in that. So that's a good, that's a good um, little exercise for everybody on the line. What are my transferable skills that are like essential to who I am as a person, as a friend, as a leader that I'm taking with me and I'm really honing in on in 2021? That's just like a great exercise. Cause I think those, 
you know, can change. We can, we can grow them. We can gain more. Um, you were the captain of a lot of your teams, weren't you? Yeah, I was a, I was a captain, um, the special teams captain a lot of times, which again is one of those things that people don't like to do. Um, but I'm some really remarkable teams. That's, that's so cool. What, what did you learn as a captain uh, at that level? Like what did that teach yeah. you? So, uh, it taught me that everybody is a leader. You can lead, lead from where you are, not where, not from the top. Like you don't have to be a leader at the top. You don't have to be the vice president or the CEO or the CFO, or you can be a leader in your department. So for me, I was a leader on special teams. Special teams is one play. And then the offense or the defense goes out there, runs 20 plays, special teams come back on. It's just one play. And so being, um, you know, acknowledged by my teammates as a captain of the team, even though I was just captain of special teams, uh, it just taught me a lot about, wow, one, people are always watching. So even if you have a small role or a small job and you do it with excellence, with precision, with the same amount of intensity as those who are doing stuff all of the time, eventually you'll get recognized. You'll be noticed. And people will say, that's because that's who that person is, not because the cameras are on, the lights are on, or because they're being praised. And the greatest compliment somebody can ever get is, how did you do so much with so little? And that's some of the things that I got. And so I learned that people are always watching. People are always watching. And it's so funny because we always think like, okay, when I get to the top, Laura, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my all. I'm going to give them my best. And it's like, you're not going to give them your best because you can only... You can only rise to the level of your training, not to the level of your expectations. And so if you've only been performing at a six for the last five years, now all of a sudden you get called up to the big league, so to speak, in your industry, whatever that is, the lights are on you, the camera's on you. You can only perform at a six, maybe a seven, but there's no way that you'll be able to get to a 10. And a 10 is required to get you there. Remember, talent is what gets you there. Character is what keeps you there. And so if you don't have the character, you'll never stay. And so that's why understanding like the work that you do, the grinding time in and time out, it's like, you don't have to pick and choose. And this comes back to being an athlete. Don't pick and choose when it's time to go hundred percent, go hundred percent period. So that therefore when Laura's out there, when Laura's time to shine, when we're counting on her, she's going to give hundred percent because that's who she is. But people understanding and thinking like, Hey, I got to wait until I get to the top of the mountain in order to lead from a certain place. Nah, you got that wrong. Do it now so that you'll be given more. You don't get more just by wanting. So being around you and being your friend and, and now like picturing you as a leader, I can see you as just somebody that like by your example, you really inspired a lot of people to be great in the little moments. It's like you were doing push-ups at 8 p.m. when your coach asked you to do it. So by sharing that and expressing who you were, you motivated every single person around you to do the little things. And that's why you're a great leader because you lead from the front and you also give other people the power to shine. There's a lot of people on the line that lead a lot of people. So the reason why I asked you this is because I want to know how do you help other people win? Like sometimes people get so frustrated on this line. They're like, why can't you just be like me? Like, I don't get it. Like, why do people suck? Some people will call me. Why do people just suck? And, I, you know, you can't control other people at the end of the day. All you can control is you and people are on their own path. But how do you inspire those around you to shine, empower those around you to be great. Like if I'm trying to, to grow and I know other people around me want to grow, like how do you give them that boost? 
the, the, yeah, the greatest thing with that and what we're losing is it's unfortunate right now because of where we are with technology. We're getting extremely complacent. I don't want to say lazy. I'll just say complacent. And what we're doing is that we're losing the fact that a computer can do what we can't, but there's still something that we can do that a computer can't. And that's which to have the real connection. A computer can't tell me how I feel. It can only react to what I'm doing, right? That's why our, all this artificial intelligence stuff is coming out. And it's like, well, when you say this, then I'm going to do this. But you can't tell how I'm feeling. And so in order to lead people, you have to understand people. The greatest coach I ever had was Ken Norton Jr., who's now the defensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks. And he coached us at USC. And he coached us all differently. And what the main thing he did is that he coached the person first, and then he coached the athlete second. So when you coach or when you're the employer of people that just so happen to be your employees, you'll get a lot more out of them. You coach their heart. What are their inspirations? What are their motivations? What do they want? There's a great book by Matthew Kelly, which is called The Dream Manager. And The Dream Manager goes on to talk about uh, this company was getting a crazy amount of turnover. And how do we keep our people because it's costing us money and it's costing us on production time because we have to keep training people and building and teaching them the ways and et cetera. So they did this whole experiment for like a year and they hired like a dream manager to talk. They literally had these one-on-one sessions for 30 minutes per week with individuals of what do you want? What do you want to accomplish? I want to send my kids to school. I want to buy a house. I want to you know, save this much money. I want to lose this much weight. I want to do... Okay, so this dream manager helped each person do it. So they associated the dream manager with the company and said, I'm not going to leave this company because I'm doing more. I'm getting better. And so the greatest thing that I learned of how to lead people is to connect with them, build the relationships and identify what they want. Because once you can identify what somebody wants, then you can speak their language. It's the love language, right? With my fiance, I have to speak her love language in order to show her that I care. I can't speak my love language. Hey, why don't you just, you know, words of affirmation. She's like, no, I need quality time. Or I, what if, what if she just speaks words of affirmation that I need quality time? The only way I know how to do that is by spending time with her. And so the same thing comes back to with your, your team, your employees is lead the person first, and the player or the employee or the team member lead them second, but always start with the person. I love that you brought up that book, like just that you're, they're not going to leave when they're growing themselves because, and I think really that's what 2020 kind of like woke up a lot of people to is like, you know, in order to evolve as, you know, a business or as people, like we really have to take into the human condition first. Right. Period. Right. I, I think right. if people don't get that now, they really didn't understand what happened in 2020. Mm. So mm. what did you see was our great kind of lesson in life and business in 2020? And where do you see us going from here? Oh, man. Um, I think that there was a shift where um, <laughs> one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is those who are first will be last and those who are last will be first. And I think with that being said, is the priorities. So the priorities that were first are actually last. Mm. And the priorities that were last are actually first. Like, ah, I'll get to my family later. Uh, I'll go, you know, I'll spend time with my kids, you know, later. I'll call that person later. Um, I'll go see them later. I think now it's, I'm going to do that now in the stuff that I thought was important, i.e. my job or i.e., you know, a passion project or some other things. I'm going to do that later. And so 
that's where I think we we were, and that's what I think coming out of it. Where I think we're going, which is going to be really interesting to see is however the world opens up is that how many people can keep the feeling that they had in 2020 and take that with them into 2021? Or are we going to sit there and be short-sighted and minded and go, ah, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm. How many people are going to stay committed to that feeling? Because, and I don't know the quote, and I love the quote, um, and I'll paraphrase it, but it's like, doing the things that you said you were going to do long after the moment that you said them in. Yep. And it's like, that's, I, I said, when I was, you know, stuck around and I couldn't see my family, I'm going to hug them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to kiss them. I'm going to spend time with them. But now the world opens back up. Do you still have that same reminder? It's like, you got to kind of put, you got to kind of put a little bit of the feeling or a little bit of the smell and the fragrance in a little bit of a can that you can open up every now and again, and you can smell it so that you remember. I never forgot what the sixth grade teacher told my mom. Never. People are like, well, you're holding on to it or you're harnessing it. Don't you think you should let it go? And I said, mm, not maybe you can, but for me, I always want to remember how he made her feel. Mm. Because if I can remember how he made her feel, I'll remember what I felt like. And that was the first time in my life that I knew that when I leave my house, I don't just represent Thomas. I represent everybody who's attached to my name. It's beautiful. And when I leave this house, I have to represent Angelica and Brett. So mm. that's my sense. Just knowing that you're waking up and performing and giving and showing up the way you do makes me want to be better. I always told that, told you that being in LA, it's like, okay, there's a lighthouse over here. I'm a lighthouse over here. Even if I'm in Chicago, I'm like, I know you're there. Like yeah. I'm good. Like he's waking up. I'm going to wake up. It's just knowing that you're there, knowing that you're doing it. It's like this motivator without needing to speak all the time. Um, so I know we've said we're going to do something together. I can totally foresee workshops in the future. I know people are going to be emailing me, messaging me, being like, how do I work with this person? There's tons of entrepreneurs that are like ex-athletes, whether they're male, whether they're female. And I think that how you speak and how you show up is really going to activate something in them, which is what this is all about. Like people really living on both the goal line and the soul line, which you're such a powerful example of. Um, is there any place we can find you? I know you're, you're, you're committed to being an amazing father, which we're all clear you're going to do and partner soon to be husband. You can buy the book. It's on Amazon. Uh, my website is Thomas R. Williams. But to be honest with you, if you want to get a hold of me, hit up Laura. And Laura, and and and, and the maybe I'll one-on-one -on -one coach you if I say uh, Thomas, I think this would be a good client it's, for you. It's, it's about because right now I'm on this kick of uh uh, privacy is more powerful than popularity. So I'm no social media, like none. Like I haven't been on, I've been posted since 2019 and it feels amazing. Like it feels like the power. Uh, so through that, there's one thing I do want to share. And I was listening to a couple of your other podcasts and there's some people who know you um, and they shared a story. And I think you, you know, you activated something in me when we went to the Tony Robbins um, conference in Chicago, where I was at I was at my hotel. You came by to pick me up, and I come downstairs, and your car's out in front, and I see some other people in the car, and I'm like, maybe she brought some of her team members to the conference today. I don't know. So I get in the car, and you're like, Thomas, this is such 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 this is Thomas, and I'm like, oh, what's up? You're like, yeah, we were just talking. They were standing outside. They're going to the Tony Robbins conference. I'm going to the Tony Robbins conference. Like, so I just gave him a ride, and I was thinking to myself, wait, what? <laughs> 
to give a stranger a ride? Do you know? What if I die? What if they try to like do something to me? Laura, I cannot believe you're going to put my life in danger like this. But in that moment, what I really, what I really realized is like, you're really about this connecting community life. Like you don't talk it. You don't sit there and like, try to like, you don't portray it. You're not, you are about this life. Like if I can help you, I will. Matter of fact, I'm going to find you. I'm going to seek you out so that I can help you. And you showed me in that moment that I can do a lot better of a job of reaching out and opening up to people and saying, how can I serve? How can I help? Now, I'm not going to give a stranger a ride. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Definitely not in 2021. Um, it's a different climate you, for sure. I'm like, where's your mask? Did you get tested? Show it to me. Like, But like you you really exemplified to me about community. And you know what? If you have something that other pers- that another person needs, your responsibility is to use that which it is to help them. So yeah, well, I know there's a lot of people on the line that could use your gifts. So if you do feel moved by Thomas, please reach out to me and I will decide if it's a good match and maybe for a large ticket price, I'll connect with you. Oh my gosh, I can totally see you being like that life coach. Like, man, somebody just got like an eight pack this year, just made a million dollars. <laughs> like, yes, Thomas was in my ear every day. Let's get it. Anything else that you want to share in closing before we leave here? No, man, just, you know what, um, honor your prince or honor your priorities this year, wherever you are, honor them, give yourself some grace and know that last year was a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. uh, football, we have halves. That's why we go in at halftime. Cause you give everything you can at the beginning of the game, wow. you, you rest up for 30 minutes. You go back to third and play a second half, give yourself some time this year to enjoy and to rest up to, you know, lick your wounds, to heal. Uh, there was a lot that transpired. So be patient, be compassionate, and show yourself some love. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you, Thomas. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I literally left like, I can't believe this is my friend. I think sometimes when you hang out with someone and you get close to them, you forget how incredible they are. And I was actually super moved and I um, was just like, Thomas, I would have had you on earlier if, if I knew this would have been so relevant for this audience. So I really, really hope you guys received a lot. Um, Thomas has won multiple national championships. He's been a leader for so long. And I just think his skills are so transferable for every single person on this line. So thank you guys as always for listening. Um, if you do want to connect with Thomas, reach out to me one-on-one and we'll we'll set something up. Um, but really, I think this this gave us all access and a refre- reflection to ask ourselves, how can I take on greatness as a lifestyle? And one of Thomas and my mutual friend, um, she played volleyball at USC. He played football at USC, is Kelly Tennant. They were actually writing their first book at the same time and uh, supporting one, one another in L.A., And Kelly has gone on to build a company um, in COVID. She has built uh, an incredible company. She hit every goal she set out to hit. And I'm so proud of her. And she is really diving deep into her podcast this year, The Kelly Show. You guys have heard me shout her out before. So go on over, give her a listen. Um, She is somebody that similar path to Thomas and myself, ex-athletes gone on the entrepreneurship route. And it's just really cool to to follow their journeys, to stay inspired. Um, so she is someone that I know all of you guys already know, but if you haven't already, go over, follow, like, subscribe to The Kelly Show. I know she's going to give you so many tools this year for you to really tap into your truth. So appreciate you guys. And as always, stay activated. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lauraeholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.